I think we need to encourage creativity as much as we can without needing the ta- like the tag of artist or it being commercial either. Hi there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist, the weekly show where we profile Australian artists. That's Jasmine Mansbridge and you know it's her work when you see it. Bright, bold colours, geometric shapes, whether it's a street mural either here in Australia or abroad or a painting hanging on the wall, you definitely get the Jasmine vibe. The Victorian-based artist has a style full of energy and life inspired by Mother Nature. She began her artistic career in 2004 in the Northern Territory and she's gone from strength to strength, finding her place in the artistic landscape. It's no wonder Jasmine's work amidst this energy. Her life is full and rich. The mother of five runs two studios in Victoria, has a ridiculously productive creative output and has exhibited here domestically and also globally. And before I let you go, you know the drill. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review and share. It's really a big help. Enjoy meeting Jasmine Mansbridge. Jasmine Mansbridge, thank you so much for joining us on Interview with an Artist. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. (laughs) Now, you held your first solo exhibition in 2004 in Catherine in the Northern Territory. Tell us about that. Uh, So I lived in Catherine until I was 26. I lived there um, for 12 years. And it's a really wonderful creative community there that I've yet to meet anywhere else, actually, because of the isolation, I guess. And this was pre-technology, really pre-internet, as we know it now. And so I've been quite active in in the arts community there. And uh, there was just a bunch of really amazing women who were very supportive of my work and who suggested that I do this um, exhibition at so June Tap, one of the the big uh, property owners in the territory, the the Tap family, June Tap, um, who was an artist. They had opened this space where you could show and you could apply to show. So uh, that was my first go at putting together a body of work, and it sold really well. And I was really encouraged by the community then I think whenever you have that kind of experience you feel like your work is is you've got something to say and and um yeah I get and you're on the right track yeah it's kind of the the forming of this of yourself in the opinion of of being an artist and and also I learned obviously how to have a deadline then how to photograph things and put things together you know in that way I think before that I was always just you know doing a piece by piece yeah, kind of painting and then selling the piece here and there and painting and selling the yes. piece here and there. Yes, and that work was very influenced still then. It was very, my work's always been very detailed, but it was, I painted uh, animals and people and uh, I was using animals then too as metaphors for things. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you what, what what was your work like then? So it was more figurative, like animals and people. and yeah, but very highly patterned, very intricate. I used to um, paint, cut out all the, the linen and then stick them all on and then paint them all so it was very layered. So I was kind of getting that really soft kind of um, shadowing from the canvas being cut out and glued back on. It was really detailed actually they used to take me a very very long time and I used to paint all the lines rather now I pull away and leave the line exposed in the canvas but I used to paint all the lines in 
Yeah, I love that detail of your work. So fast forward to today, 2020, you've you've exhibited around the world. You had two international residencies this year, which we'll get we'll get to later on. But um I noticed with your work, yes, you you pencil draw the shapes yeah. on and then you paint kind of just up to the line. Yeah. And so so the pencil's still exposed. How did you kind of land on that? Well, see, I used to because I've always loved. So, uh, my I I my family there when I was in the Northern Territory, I got married when I was seventeen, and I married into a family who were really involved in the arts there, and I'm still close to them all. The marriage didn't last, but the, you know that's another story. But I'm very close to the family there, and so I was able to have be. I was given linen and given paint I took it for granted at the time so I developed a a love of linen very early which if you're listening and you're not quite sure linen is a really beautiful art product it's quite expensive so instead of like the cotton canvas the linen is um, like a very breathable fabric and so when you're painting the paint kind of goes into it so the paint um, becomes the painting really becomes part of the the surface itself it doesn't kind of sit on top if that makes sense so yeah um I got uh I had been painting with linen for a long time and then I used to paint so the light where you see the lines now I used to draw a line on top of that to cover you know once the work was finished to outline everything and I just felt at one point that you know the line was so important to me the just sharing that original line of the work that perhaps I shouldn't be covering it up. Um, and also there's a difference when you, cause I was kind of outlining everything in, in black and it kind of looked, it was just looking, I guess, more graphic than, you know, like that kind of hard edge. It makes it look more hard edge and I yeah. leaving the linen lines cause my work is so strong. And so, yeah. uh, it leaves like a softness to the work when you look at it. Yeah, I was going to say the pencil line is a much softer yeah. appearance yeah. than the, the kind of starkness of a black or a more permanent line. Yeah. The other thing was it was painstaking. So once I'd done, because I used to do very intricate work, so once I'd done all of this out, all of this work, I would then outline every single bit of it, which, you know, could take, it took a long time. And then I, it wasn't just the time factor, but it was, just I think moving into more confidence with my work I think because I had felt maybe that it should be finished the way I was finishing it and then I felt because I (laughs) I just liked it as it was and yeah if anybody looks at the work um it's always hard to see that kind of detail when you're looking at on Instagram or so I made a video recently so people could kind of see it but uh you can't see that detail anyway but if you look at the work in person you'll know what I mean by you can see it there and so you had one residency in France this year that you were due to go on and then one residency in Beijing that you were due to go on what happens with those now well with the Beijing residency so I've had a really strong in in interest in working in Asia working in Hong Kong and Beijing in the last few years I've been there particularly to Hong Kong quite a few times Um, and so I was I had actually applied previously for this residency and not got it. So it's a Redgate uh, Gallery residency in Beijing. So it's kind of on hold, but it's it's hard to say when I'll be able to go 
and do that residency just because of the way things are. Obviously, with COVID, so it'll it's there. It's it will happen at some point in time, and also the Fran the residency in France as well. It really um, depends on when and how we can travel. Yeah, what that's going to involve. And for me, because of my so I've got younger children, so when I travel, I try and always be home. Like they're gone back within sixteen days. The residencies were both going to be a stretch to that because they're both a month, but then I really don't have time to go and then quarantine. And then oh, yes. Yeah. Back, um, because I don't want to be away from my younger children for that long. So they're the other things that I consider when I'm, when I'm working and when I'm working away is the turnaround and the time factor. And yeah. They're things that, um, that that's where my art, my my the painting and the children collide (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like life outside of the studio is also very busy with quite a busy family yeah look I mean I've been doing this yeah my oldest is 20 as I said they're 23 and 21 so I've I don't know I've been doing both for a very long time and I feel like one thing um, that they're, they're complementary things. Being an artist and being a parent, there's a lot of crossover in the way I approach both. <laughs> oh, tell me about that. What What are some of the crossover and how you approach both? So, for example, I you know I cook a lot because I like to eat a particular way. I'm a vegan, my and I've fed my kids vegetarian food for a long time. So that there's a way of being with all of that that. I'm thinking and I'm thinking about the work often or thinking about or how something's going to go while I'm not in the studio or while I'm not with the work. And then when I get there, I just probably fairly quickly execute what I'm going to do. And also children are so creative and a lot of things that I will go and do with them are things that kind of feed my own stream of ideas. Children are very uh, inquisitive and curious and they ask a lot of questions which in turn leads me to ask a lot of questions <laughs> um, for example so I love hiking I love hiking with them we've got great um, mountains and things around here and so I, I collect stuff and I'm very inspired even though my work is not doesn't have seem to have much relationship with the natural environment a lot of my questions about the world and a lot of my thinking about things goes into the paintings I feel like the your work is very man-made architecturally inspired so to hear you say that you know being in nature and hiking and that really helps bring the inspiration on that's really interesting yeah I've always I've never I've always lived in I mean I, I lived in you know western Queensland and remote places growing up and then obviously the northern territory and and I live outside of the city now and so I feel like, you know, I, I did try and paint the environment around me at different times, but like underpinning what I'm trying to say in the work, I guess most of the time I'm wanting to look at the human relationship with various things. And for me, geometry represents a lot of our humanity at the moment. We don't really fit into the natural environment like we should. The sculptural work, for example, that I've made recently doesn't really fit into a natural environment and yet it, it because it's mirrored it does and so it's another example and the the ideas from the paintings and the sculpture and the installations they are all taking apart the same 
like they're all looking at the same thing which is aspects of our humanity that we struggle with or you know this removal from our environment is something that I think about often and how do we return to that in some way and I and I think the whole year of coronavirus or you know the nine months or whatever have examined a lot of the things as well like even with the residencies and the traveling I've done a lot of traveling the last few years and there's obviously an unsustainable element to that as well and an indulge like an indulgent element to that that I think if I just chose to never travel again now where would I seek my inspiration and why why can't that be enough like you know Mm, yeah yeah there is a cost to an environmental cost to everything that we do um and so I'm I'm often thinking about those things and the series of work that I'm working on now is kind of looking at that looking at why can't like why can't we make aesthetic things that are practical things and it's interesting you say that why can't we make practical things that are aesthetic things because you do a lot of murals in streets and I oh my god I adore them and I wonder have you ever stood there and listened to people's reactions as they've walked past depending on where I'm painting people are, are very curious and sometimes people also are not like they're not positive oh what does it not what do they say <laughs> like yeah, when I'm beginning often people are like oh like what are you doing like oh you know because you're changing someone's visual landscape that I mean I do a mural and I go and I don't see them again but where I'm painting I'm aware that the people uh, around there are going to this is going to be part of their their commute or part of their walk for coffee or whatever and so some people are people have a range of responses in the beginning and always at the by the end it's a positive thing I'm a very positive kind of person too so I'm and I'm always happy to engage people in in their kind of like resistance if they have resistance to new work like and and engage them in why they might be resistant because they don't know what I'm going to paint yet (laughs) Um, yeah (laughs) you're like just trust me it's it's going to work out okay (laughs) and I feel like um part of doing large-scale work for me and and even the installation work is bridging a bit of a gap too between you know I feel like it's an offering like it's a gift and you're not asking anyone to buy anything or you're just letting something be there something be there yeah no I like that idea it's an offering um and and you're right it's 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 there for public enjoyment it's not there for any other yeah exactly what you said there's no request on the viewer exactly and I I really like that aspect of public art that it's art like, you know, without, you know, obviously art for everyone, which is just like a a catchphrase. But the reality is that um, it it is. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely (laughs) is. It belongs to to all the people who see it, you know, so it doesn't belong to me or doesn't even exist within my, um, you know, I do them and I, and I, as I said, I do them and then I, I don't see them. Yeah. Anymore. And so that's one aspect of the public art that I really like. And often, as I said, people who are maybe resistant to the idea in the end have a completely different understanding of what I'm there for and what I'm doing um, and what the work is about by the time I'm finished the process. And I really enjoy that. It's like actually when I painted a wall in Hong Kong and it was it was like a metre sidewalk because it was an under in an underpass. And so – okay. 
at the commute times, like I literally couldn't paint because the throngs of people coming past. Oh. <laughs> some of these people would just be, I felt like they were inconvenienced by the work because they had to kind of stop at some points. So I'd be painting, they'd all have to kind of go around me. And so the inconvenience of the work would make them all stop and look at the work and either be irritated because they were being stopped. But by the end and by the time this work had been done, and it's just, it's a, it's an aesthetically pleasing work. It's not challenging anyone. By the end of that, I had so many of them thanking me. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thanking me for making that particular part of what would normally just be a, quite a boring little walk or not uneventful, I should say, just, you know, um, yeah. for, for brightening that up. But I, and that got me thinking to the inconvenient, like being inconvenienced about by art, making you stop and think about it. And one of the aspects of my sculpture is that if you want to engage with it, you have to step in. Like there's a little, there's no way in, you just have to step in. And that was part of the idea then of if you're inconvenienced by a work physically, then it hijacks you mentally to look at the work. And so that's something else that I'm like very interested in exploring is physically how if we have to physically engage with art as well as visually how that impact impacts us um and so that's you know these are areas of exploration for me and certainly when I hike and I walk and I collect rocks and collect things I feel like for me in a way my because of a lot of my work doesn't involve my body um so I feel like that's me being inconvenienced or my body being put into um, and my body being part of the artistic process and also with the mural painting my body is part of that process because it's very physical it's a very physical yeah I can imagine it's very physical yeah. the some of those walls some of the pieces I've seen you done are, do are really big so um in a very short amount of time so I mean I do them in like five days or shorter because I don't have because of my children <laughs> I don't yeah <laughs> I don't have the luxury of making mistakes or taking too long. <laughs> Can you remember the first piece you sold? I do because um, I the late the person who bought that work still buys my work and buys a piece every year. And I did a work for the Catherine Prize, which is quite a big prize in the Northern Territory. And I did this particular painting for this competition, and I sold it for six hundred dollars to this lady. And I this is. It was actually before I had next before I had my first exhibition, and before that I used to paint and always give my work away to friends or whoever. I used to just paint for really the just the enjoyment of it, and so I sold the work for six hundred dollars. And at the time I was a single mum, and that six hundred dollars went a long way. And I was like, actually, <laughs> I should be doing this. <laughs> this is something that could actually make a real difference to my life. You know, if I could continue to do this and make money, that would just be like my dream. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. And so that that person who bought your work still buys your work today. Yeah, she's incredible, actually. So she bought that work and she's lived all around. She lived in Boston and now she lives in Adelaide. And I'm pretty safe to say almost every year she buys work. So she actually has now work from all of my styles and um, if you ever do a retrospective, you know you need to get her on board. <laughs> all of last year, she just had $200 going direct debited from a bank account all year to mine and at, the, at her birthday. Then she just 
picked out what she wanted. Oh my god, that's so cool! And you know, and there was no. She's like, I never intended to be like to do what I've done, but I just love your work and love all the new things that I do. So I feel like it's really great when people support your work through its kind of journey as well. Yeah, through its evolution. Yeah, so I'm really grateful for her. I'll have to send her the link to this so she can listen. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, when did you start calling yourself an artist? Um, I don't really know. Actually, my, my grandmother was an artist, so she was a portrait painter and I feel like I always felt, and my family is very artistic and creative and I never had any kind of problem, I guess, just saying I was an artist. I think it definitely has something linked in with your work being commercially viable, I think, in my mind. Like when you're selling work, I guess it's easy to feel like an artist. And so I think it's something I've always wanted to be too. So it's a little bit of like that fake it till you make it thing. (laughs) Are your children creative? Yeah, they are. They're all quite diverse in in what they enjoy doing. I'm a bit saddened by the challenge that technology has to creativity. I think it hijacks every bit of their free time if it can. And um, so I'm constantly kind of putting things in front of them and encouraging them to do stuff and taking away their devices, which because of pre-coronavirus, it really wasn't a problem, but they've just done most of their learning through devices this year and what one of my daughters the 21 year old she's a musician and my both of them actually play and yeah they're very musical and they're creative I think we need to encourage creativity as much as we can without needing the like the tag of artist or it being commercial either yeah, that's a really wonderful point. I think there is a reverence around the word artist and, and rightly so, but in that equally it, that intimidates. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's something, so my youngest who's five at the moment, he's super creative and loves calling himself an artist and does. Oh, cute. But it's because of his age. So his sister, who is also very talented, now is having that self-doubt like she's nine and so she's at the age of like starting to really critique her work or critique anything she does and I'm like oh oh Oh, at nine oh that's so it's so sad isn't it somehow I guess to be grow up and end up doing what I do um which is you just have to survive so much criticism (laughs) yeah that's true and your own own self-doubt uh, and that's how you end up making like, and also I think for me, I think I've had this conversation a few times where I think I'm just so, I'm very obsessed by the work, almost irrationally driven to make work sometimes. And, you know, you're going to got to do it even when it annoys, like, I don't know, it doesn't fit in well with everything else in my life to just make work. So I think that's how you end up being an artist. And um, is it just hijacks you? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do to get out of a creative funk? Look, I really don't have them. And I think uh, because I always have so, so many things I want to do, if anything, I sometimes feel overwhelmed by uh, which thing I should be giving my attention to. Um, but I never have a shortage of, of um, ideas. I think... And I have heard this discussed before, but I think if anything, a funk would be wondering if 
what you're doing in the world has enough meaning and enough value to keep giving it so much attention. That's probably what I would call a funk. I do go through stage, I think. Oh, is this too much? Am I too obsessed? <laughs> Should I be giving other things more time, attention, value? That's what I would call a funk. But it doesn't usually last long because when I'm working, when I'm actually working, I'm blissfully happy in my own world. In my <laughs> you're, you're in flow, as they say. I just go into a zone and I'm, I'm just... Yeah, it's it's very meditative my work because it's I've got to be really slow and precise and my heart rate has to be slow. So, do you listen to music or are you do you do it in silence? Uh, I do a variety of things. I listen to I'm I'm I think that one of the best things about one of one of the perks of the job is I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I love autobiographies. I listen to a lot of um, those kind of things. So I kind of self-educate about things that interest me and often those themes I'm listening uh, come back into my work as well because to go deeply into the work I feel like so I do listen to podcasts sometimes or music but I tend to be a bit uh, my brain I get easily distracted and so I find that an audiobook will just take me very deeply into a particular place or time. How do you know when a piece is done? Uh, because my work is quite technical, there's like it's done when aesthetically it looks really easy to look at and when all the like it's multiple coats of paint to get that really flat surface, like the real flatness that I have. And so um, when all the coats are done and um, when it looks right and it feels right, yeah, I don't have too much trouble. You know, I think one of those things is probably an experience-based thing. I think I struggled a lot more when I was earlier on to know when things are finished whereas now I just you know yeah technically I know when they're done um sometimes I, if I'm not satisfied with the work I do just put put it away and it's, yeah that that distance and and yeah. space from them it's just so valuable yeah, isn't course. it because otherwise if they're in front of me I'm just like I'm gonna make you work gotta make you work gotta make you work <laughs> away from them I can't actually go out there like at night and try and make it work um, and not I mean a lot of work actually comes quite easily to me but there's always one or two pieces within a body of work that tend to I get stuck on and often they're actually the ones that turn out to be the best because they push me they challenge me somehow and the challenge often turns out to be um what what makes them good who's your biggest fan Oh, my biggest fan. I don't think I have one. <laughs> yes, you do. Actually, you do. It's the lady who bought your first piece and is now buying a piece every year. <laughs> well, see, so she's probably like, you know, she is a pretty private person. Um, she. Oh, yeah. We don't have to name her or anything. but um, She probably would be like in one way my biggest fan, but someone like, say, Megan Morton. And how did you know Megan? You know, when Instagram first started and I think Megan had like 40 followers and I had maybe two and I followed <laughs> 400, I, I found Megan on, on Instagram. I'm not sure how. And there was a couple of other people in that time that I still follow. And so she had this workshop going and so I just went and met her and she's just been since that time 
a real mentor and a sounding board for me. Uh, and obviously, because I'm out, I've been outside of many things, uh, but I was particularly at the time I met her. And so if I have ever had a question to ask about, you know, how to do something or who's the best person to ask, uh, she's just been so generous with me. And over time, we've become friends, like real friends, not just yeah. friends. And I, I'm really indebted to her for her generosity of spirit. And it's something that I endeavor to do, um, you know, so the cup overflows and it all goes downwards, right? So yeah, I'm, I try and be generous to other people in the way that not only her, but there's been other people who've really been generous to me with their time and energy Yeah, be, be in the position that I'm in today. So, or other, yeah. Um, there's, uh, when I was 21, I met Adrian Newstead from the Cooey Gallery um, in Sydney. He came to Catherine and he has let me stay at his house in Sydney probably a couple of times a year since then. I've always, every time I come to Sydney, so he is someone who's been, a big advocate and a big encourage, like a big encouragement to me with my work in terms of making it, you know, just being more and more professional, I guess, and really pushing those things over the last, you know, a couple of years, but, or well, not a couple of years, or oh, 21 to now. <laughs> um, so, and also my, my family, you know, um, I am supported to work quite a lot. You know, like as I said, I travel, and so there are people who who help me with my children and do things that aren't maybe so much supporting my work, but they're supporting me too. They're probably my greatest critics and my greatest fans. Oh, sorry, who was that? It just dropped out. Oh, my oldest daughters. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, they. You know, they are always going to be very honest with work because <laughs> it brings me to so who's your biggest critic so you think your eldest daughters they probably well, <laughs> fit into that well and also my youngest son who's <laughs> sharpening his eyes a cricket critic um I think yeah I don't know like I feel like not many people see my work in the process of it being made so someone said to me once um and I, it stuck with me and it was really uh, helpful and it was that you should be very careful who you let critique your work because it can affect so much about your work, you know. So if you leave your work open to criticism or critique or when it's not finished or even at the end, it can influence what you think you should be doing. And even so even when you have a show, you know, like you're the piece you like the most might not sell and in a way that's a criticism of the work <laughs> and so that's something that you've got to be really careful of I think as an artist I'm very careful of criticism um, and who I allow to critique my work there are people who I allow and who I will take their opinion from but I don't necessarily want other people's opinions too much because they don't see where I want to go with the work. They don't know the big picture. So sometimes a body of work will be in your mind or in my mind. It's not quite where I wanted it to be, but I know where I want it all to go. And where would you like to see your work take you in the next couple of years? Uh, at the moment, looking 
uh, and I well, I have been for a while, but I want to show overseas a bit more and develop some other relationships. And that was my point of uh, having the residency in Beijing and in France too. But I went to London last year on a um, professional development grant. So there are some things I'm working on there too. And um, I shouldn't say working on relationships. It sounds really bad, but. No, no, but establishing those relationships and yeah. To know uh, what kind of. Um, networks are going to be work, are going to work for you or what kind of fit you know who's going to be a good fit so just because someone you know a gallery or, or someone who's looks good on paper doesn't necessarily mean that you, they'll be a good fit for you like yes something I've learned to going along that it's more about the relationship than the name behind the gallery and like so because it's relationships ultimately that kind of make people want to invest in your work they invest in in me or they you know they invest in every time someone buys a work I I can put that back into making more work yeah I feel like I'm really in a really fortunate place where I'm able to make enough income from the work that I do do that I can be doing doing some of that and I feel like it's really important to help artists to get to that stage where they can self-support their work and then they can work on the really important things as well and new things you can't push the boundaries in your work if you can't sell any work. That's a really fabulous point. Yeah. So I feel really um, grateful to be at the point where I don't have to worry so much about, you know, the bottom line and I can really push some of the bigger things I want to do. Jasmine, thank you so much for your time today on Interview with an Artist. It's been so great talking with you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.